0: John 1, 35 through 39. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Thank you Kristen. Well, good morning. I'm going to take a sip of water for a quick sec. It's good to be with you. My name is John. If you're visiting at Grace and Peace this morning, particularly if this is your first time, uh, you probably don't recognize me, but don't worry. The regulars here at Grace and Peace don't recognize me as well. Uh, I'm a relatively new face for everybody other than the session and the pastoral search committee. Uh, I'm a pastor out in Northern California, and I'm here because some of you have felt like God might be calling you to call me to be pastor here. So if you're visiting, interesting morning for you to be here. Um, here's the deal. After the worship service, I'm going to stick around for a Q&A for the members and regular attenders. If you are visiting, you're more than welcome to stay for that, but don't feel like You need to stick around, and I'll introduce myself uh, more extensively then. Uh, For now, just want to let you know it's a privilege to be here and to share God's word with you. So we're going to dig in to John chapter 1 this morning. But first, let me pray for us. Would you join me? Gracious God, you are gracious, and we rely on your love and on your grace, on your willingness to stoop down and to reveal yourself to us. We rely on your promises that you make and that you keep in Jesus. You promise that when your word goes out, it goes out with your power, not with the wisdom of any human voice, but with your very ability to enter into our hearts, to give what we need, to affect the change that we desire, whether we realize it or not. Father, we all need something this morning. We may think we know what that means, but you for sure know what that means. And what that need is, we pray that you would meet it with your love and with your grace so that we might leave here knowing more fully your beauty, ready more joyfully to go and serve and represent you to our neighbors in our city. We pray it for your glory, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a fun passage. Uh, Jesus asks, What are you seeking? He asks, what do you want? It's a good question. It's a relatively simple question, and yet it gets down deep, doesn't it? What do you want? Let Jesus ask that question to you right now. What do you want? What did you wake up this morning desiring? What did you come into this room this morning wanting? Uh, Surely you wanted the weather to get a little bit warmer, I would hope. Um, Most of you who have been a part of Grace and Peace and know that there's a process of a pastoral search, are wanting God to provide a pastor who would resonate well with who you are, with your love for Jesus and the way that you express that in your family together, that would be able to lead and come alongside and minister well with you as you seek to go into your city with the love of Jesus. You want a pastor that fits for grace and peace. I don't know you, but I could probably make some guesses as to what you woke up this morning wanting. Some of you may want your career to be impactful. You want to be able to influence your neighbor for good, to give yourself away sacrificially in the ways that you go about your paid vocation. Some of you may wake up this morning just wanting a job that would pay the bills so that you can live in an ever increasingly costly city. Some of you desire not to feel so lonely for just one day. Some of you are wanting your marriage to feel like it did a few years ago. Some of you are just hoping you can pass organic chem this semester. Some of you want to make the lacrosse team, right? You're wanting something this morning. I'm wanting this morning. My family's wanting this morning. I know at least one of my kids is wanting this to be a relatively short sermon, right? <laughs> I want the weather to feel nicer and a little bit warmer. I want the road signs in the city of Austin to say the same thing that my Google Maps say, <laughs> instead of having three or four or five different names that don't give me any sense of direction as I'm trying to get around the city. I want this sermon to go well. I'd be lying if I, didn't, if I said otherwise, right? I want grace and peace to be a church that if God calls me to pastor here, It would be a good fit for me and for my family. I want my family to be able to transition well if we move. Friends, we're all wanting this morning. And the great news is that Jesus recognizes that we desire. And he wants to know, what do you want? He asks because he cares. Friends, do you know that about Jesus? Do you know that he wants to know the desires that lie deep within you because he cares deeply about you because he loves you. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know that you are that valuable to the God of the universe? The God who made you in love wants to know you deeply, cares about your desires. Friends, he's genuinely asking the question of you and of me this morning. Of course, he knows But he wants to know, and he wants us to know the the desires that drive us deeply, and here's why. He's convinced that with the help of his spirit, your desires will lead you to him. He's convinced that if you're honest with yourself, and you follow your desires to their fulfillment, you will follow your desires to him, because he is the fulfillment of every human desire. And friends, here's the beauty of John chapter 1. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus doesn't just want you to have your desires fulfilled in him. He wants you to recognize that he is your deepest desire. Jesus wants you to want him this morning. He wants you to want him this morning because he wants you. And he wants you to know where you can find him. That's what I love to look with you uh, in John chapter 1 and answer those questions. What do we want? Uh, the second question, if you're a note taker, this is the outline. Question 1, what do you want? Question 2, what does Jesus want? Question 3, where do we find him? What do you want? What does Jesus want? Where do we find him? As I said, this is uh, one of my favorite passages in The Gospel of John, it's Jesus calling his first disciples to come follow him, to come do life with him and for his kingdom. And he does that with the simple question, what do you want? Uh, John, the apostle who writes this gospel, gets at this uh, even in his grammar. the, The grammar of the verb is Jesus is asking, present active tense. He's telling a story of Jesus asking these disciples thousands of years ago. And yet he uses the present tense to remind us to step into this story. And Jesus is asking right now, what do you want? John the Baptist gets this. John the Baptist is Jesus' cousin. Uh, The day before this episode takes place, John the Baptist had interacted with Jesus. And so he comes back and he stands in the very same spot that he saw Jesus before he brings his disciples along. They're not standing there randomly. They're standing where John knows that Jesus will show up. So that when Jesus, of course, does show up, and by the way, this one is free. If you're seeking after Jesus and you're trying to find him, he will show up for you. Guaranteed. That's his promise. And so he does. He walks by and John the Baptist points away from himself to Jesus and says, there he is. That's the one you want. He's the one you want. John the Baptist gets it. And this is pretty astounding if you think about it. I've never had a disciple. I have some kids, but they probably wouldn't consider themselves my disciple. I don't know if you've ever had a disciple, but if you had a disciple, can you imagine sending your disciple away from you to somebody else? That's pretty amazing. Any of you NBA fans in here? I'm a quasi-NBA fan, but if you are, you know that all sorts of um, free agency mumbo-jumbo is going on right now. Anthony Davis in New Orleans is uh, sort of put himself on the market. It, it would be something like this. LeBron James gets Anthony Davis to come join him with the Lakers, and they're playing together. And then they go up to Golden State, and they play the Warriors. And LeBron looks at Steph Curry and Kevin Durant and says, you know what, Anthony Davis? I'm not the one you want. Go play with them. Go play... With the warriors. Like, that's something of what's going on. John the Baptist says, Listen, you're not going to find what you want with me. That wasn't the point. My job is to stand here and point to him, to Jesus. He's the one you want. Go follow him. And so they do. These two disciples, Andrew and probably the unnamed disciple, probably John, go and follow Jesus. And Jesus turns and he asks them the question What are you seeking? What do you want? We actually aren't told what their answer is. We don't know what it is that they were desiring as they came to Jesus. John says Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And it could be that these two Jewish disciples wanted forgiveness. It could be that they recognize that forgiveness of sin comes along with the end of the exile. The end of their people being oppressed and being away from the promised land and away from the presence of their God. And so maybe what they're wanting is freedom from Roman oppression, freedom to serve God the way that they were intended to and that they're going to find it in Jesus. We, we don't know what they want. We're not told. We're only told that Jesus asks them to figure it out and then we're told where they go. Whatever their desire was, as they came to grips with it, they recognized it would only be found in him. We just get the question, what do you want? And their response question, where are you staying? Implication, wherever you're staying, Jesus, that's where we're going because we want to be with you. Because we want you. So friends, maybe we can peel back the layer and take a look at what that process might be for you as Jesus asks you and asks me, What do you want? He wants you to ask the question of yourself. We desire things all the time. Uh, Let me invite you to do a little thought exercise with me. Tomorrow, you may be at work, uh, and you might think to yourself or say out loud, I want some lunch. I want something to eat. What's the desire behind that desire? Well, for some of you, it might be that you just want some fuel, You want some energy so that you can get back to work and get after doing what you've been doing. Well, why? What is the want behind doing a good job refueled at work? Some of you might want to achieve right, and make your mark. Some of you might want the approval of your peers. Some of you might want to work to make wealth because you like the status that it affords. Some of you might want to work because you desire the security that comes with a stable income. Right? All those things are foundational wants that lie beneath a seemingly simple, I want some lunch. It could be something else for some others of us. Some of you might just want lunch at a particularly new restaurant that you haven't been able to try because you want the enjoyable experience of good food and good friends at a good place. Right? Some of you might want some lunch because what you really want is a break. What you really need is some rest. What you really desire is the freedom to stop striving so much. You want to stop being anxious about everything. You just want to rest. Some of you might want some lunch because you want to go to lunch because you want to go to lunch with her. Or you want to go to lunch with him because what you really want is to be able to date her, or to date him, because what you really want is a loving, fulfilling relationship where you're known and are able to know fully and to love completely, right? What do you want? We have wants, and Jesus is asking you to trace your wants. What are those foundational desires that drive you? Desire for significance, right? Desire for meaning, Desire for purpose, desire for righteousness, for right standing, desire for wholeness, desire to be the you that you desperately long to be and know you fall short of. Friends, these are some of the foundational desires. Jesus says, doesn't say leave your desires at the door if you're going to follow me. These are good desires that God has woven into us as his image bearers. Jesus also doesn't say, desire whatever you want. Come follow me and I'll baptize it and bless you and help you to find it. No, he asks the question, what do you want? So that as you trace your foundational desires, they will lead you to him. He's standing there confidently knowing that that's the trajectory. That he is the fulfillment of of those foundational desires that we have. And we see this not just in this passage. You see it all over the scriptures. You certainly see it in the opening chapters of the Gospel of John. If we had the time, we could go through chapter by chapter. Do you remember chapter 2, the wedding at Cana? There's a group of people. and What they want is celebration and flourishing and enjoyment of relationship. And they run out of wine. And they can only get it in the presence of Jesus. Chapter 3, Nicodemus, the religious ruler, comes, and what he wants is to be right with God and to have certainty that he will be in God's kingdom for all eternity. And where does he find that? In the presence of Jesus. In chapter 4, Jesus engages the woman at the well, and what does she want? She wants love. She wants somebody who will see her for who she truly is and respond in kind. And where does she find that? In the presence of Jesus. Chapter 5, the paralytic who had been crippled, an invalid for 38 years. What does he want? He wants to walk. And where does he find it? In the presence of Jesus. Chapter 6, the crowds follow Jesus because who knows what they want. But we know this, they want some food because they're hungry. And where do they find it? In the presence of Jesus. Do you see the pattern? Jesus can stand and ask you, what do you want? Because he knows if you're honest and you track your desires, they'll lead you straight to him because the other places that we go and look to find fulfillment never get the job done. They weren't made for that. They weren't built to be load-bearing for our deepest desires as human beings created in the image of God. I live in Marin County, California. Uh, It's an aspirational place. And what I mean by that is people aspire to live there because when you get to Marin County, it means that you've reached the fulfillment of all your desires. And you look around, and everybody else has too. At at least that's the image that we're projecting. You've managed to have the career that gets you to Marin County. You've managed to build the family. You've managed to get into the right neighborhood. You've managed to find just the right balance of active extreme leisure and sincere altruism. (laughs) That's Marin County. I have a suspicion that Austin is similar. Is it not? You come to Austin because this is where your desires are fulfilled. And as a pastor who's had the privilege of walking alongside people and listening to their stories day after day after day in places like Marin County and Austin, Texas, what I hear when people are honest, when I'm honest is, I thought if I got X, I would be happy and I know I'm supposed to, and I look around and everybody else looks like they're happy, but it's just not quite what I thought it was gonna be. There's still something missing. I'm still desiring more, maybe because they've bumped into something that a career or an income just can't provide, the health of a child who's sick, right? The mending of a marriage that's broken, Whatever the case may be, in our honest moments, are we willing to come to Jesus saying, where I've chased after fulfillment for my desires has left me longing for more. And I see that that fulfillment is found in you. I'll give you an example. Um, It's very easy for somebody like me, not, not me, but somebody like me to stand in a place like this preaching a sermon to a congregation like you and feel like if I preach a really great sermon, then the significance that I long for is going to be found. If I could just preach a sermon that's going to convey to you that I can express the truths of Jesus in a compelling way, then you'll recognize that I should be your pastor. And in that recognition... I'll find my significance. It's really hard not to see preaching a sermon as an opportunity to meet a significance need in my life or a purpose need. If I preach the kind of sermon I need to preach today, then I might be called to be, the kind of pa- to be a pastor at the kind of church that's doing really cool ministry things in a city like Austin. And I can really make an impact for Jesus. If I'm looking for my performance as a preacher to satisfy deepest needs of the human heart, friends, it will lead to disaster for me and for you. I'll either be a proud jerk if I feel like I'm doing well or a neurotic, insecure, whatever, if I'm not. Neither of those, by the way, are good characteristics of a pastor, right? But what if I found in Jesus the one who has called me to himself, the one who has lived the life that I've been called by God to live but unable to, the one who has died the death that I deserve to die, the one who has been risen to new life to bring restoration and forgiveness and healing to all things. What if that Jesus calls me to himself and says, would you follow me? Would you receive me? Because I'm offering you the gift of myself. You can't earn it, but you can have it. You can have it all. You can have my love. You want to be significant? I died for you. Do you know that? It's a gift I'm giving to you. You want to have purpose? I'm going out to bring redemption to the world, and I'm inviting you to participate, and I'm giving you my spirit to help. You want it? It's yours. Take it. It's a gift. Receive it in faith. Do you see, friends, if we find The fulfillment of our desires in Jesus, we're able to enjoy all those other good things as the gifts that God has given to us. And so Jesus is asking, What do you want? What do you want? As I said, the good news is he doesn't stop there. He doesn't want you to just know that you can find fulfillment of your desire in him, he wants you to know that he is your desire. Whether you know it or not right now, he knows it. He is your deepest desire. He doesn't just want you to want his benefits, he wants you to want him. Friends, we know this is how relationships work in life, don't we? Kids, I hear there's some grade school kids in here, right? Some third graders, some second graders, some middle schoolers. You know this, right? Help the adults think about this. Do you have a best friend? Any kids in here have a best friend or a really good friend? All right, what is it about that friend that makes them a friend for you? Is it because they have the best gaming system? Okay, like maybe sometimes we're going to be honest and say yes to that. But that's not really the reason they're our best friend, is it? Is it because their mom or dad makes the best snacks? Right? Is it because they're really cool and when you're around them at school, you get to be cool too? Is it all those things that make them your best friend? Or are they your best friend? Because they're your best friend. Because you like them. Because you like to be with them. Because you like spending time with them. Because they're a friend. You're not their friend because of what they can do for you. You're their friend because you're their friend. If we get to the Q and A later, and somebody asks me, what is it that I love about Kathy? And I say, oh my goodness, Kathy is fantastic. You should really get to know her. I mean, wow, she really adds to our family income, and that's fantastic. Like, and when we get into the sticky wickets with the kids, she's always the one that figures out how to get us out of that. And I mean, she's funny in a crowd, and so If in my introverted moments at a party, I feel like I just need some cover. I mean, she's really good with that. Like, you would think, what a jerk. That's what you love about Kathy? Or do you love Kathy? Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus isn't just inviting us to find the fulfillment of our desires in him. He's He's inviting us to find him as our desire. Do you know that about jesus do you know him as your desire is a deep and intimate and abiding relationship with the god that we know in the person of jesus and a life with him your deepest joy in life what would it take to get there here's one thing we're moving on to point two and these last two are going to be quick i promise point two is we'll come to want jesus when we recognize that he wants us first We'll come to want Jesus when we recognize that he wants us first. Do you know what Jesus' deepest desire is? To commune with you. And the fellowship of the Trinity to bring you into that and have communion with you. John the Baptist says, look, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why is Jesus walking by at that moment? Right? Is this story about the disciples seeking Jesus, or is it about Jesus seeking the disciples? Why is Jesus there? Well, he's there because he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's there because he's the second person of the Godhead who has left the glories of heaven to come down into our world, to redeem our world, to bring forgiveness and to bring redemption to us. That's why he's there. Why does Jesus want to bring us forgiveness? So that we can feel good about ourselves and live happily ever after? He wants to bring us forgiveness so that we might be reconciled back to him. Because the God who loves us lost us because of our rebellion, and he wants us back. That's the story of the Bible, friends, and that's the story of John chapter 1. Jesus is there. Because he desires us. Uh, This morning, I was reading uh, the Book of Common Prayer's morning prayer, New Testament scripture lesson. It's a mouthful. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us, Let us fix our eyes upon Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. Why did Jesus come, endure the cross, scorning his shame for the joy set before him. What is the joy set before Jesus? It's not a what, friends. It's not a what. It's a who. Who is the joy set before Jesus? You are the joy set before Jesus. These disciples say, Jesus, where are you abiding? the very term that Jesus uses in John chapter 15, to invite us to abide in him, to make our dwelling and to find our joy in the rhythms of our life with him. So friends, let me invite you to consider Jesus' question this morning. What do you want? Do business with your desires. Trace them. Do they lead you to Jesus? If not, where are they leading you to? And is it fulfilling you Would you consider Jesus' challenge? Come, come and see. Come and see if life with me is not the best life you can possibly have. Come and see if God's purposes for you are not the best purposes that you could possibly have. Which leads to a question that we want to answer in our third point if that's what life is all about, where do we find Jesus? What does it mean to do life with Jesus? It would be nice to be one of those first two disciples who could physically, literally walk over to where he's standing and then follow him to wherever he is staying to be with him. What does it mean for us now? When Jesus says, come and see, where is he inviting us? The brief answer is he's inviting us to church. He's inviting us to church. That's where Jesus is found in this in-between time. Until he comes again, you're going to find him church you're going to find him here at grace and peace right what's your tagline a gospel formed family for the city you're going to find him in the gospel formation that happens here you're going to find him in his word on a sunday morning friends what's happening right now is not an interview what's happening right now is an opportunity for you and for me to commune with the living jesus through his words What's going to happen in a moment is we're going to come to his table. And at his table, we're not just going to remember what Jesus has done for us. We are going to enjoy him right here at his table. Come and feast with me. It's his invitation. And in all the ways that we are gospel formed in prayer and in word and in worship, we're going to find him. Friends, come to church That's not because that's what you do in Austin, Texas, or anywhere else, come to church because that's where you're going to commune with the living God who longs to have a relationship with you. You're going to find him with his family. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, have you ever felt far from him, struggling to really connect with him and have that experience, a vital experience of his presence with you, and you get some coffee with a friend, somebody from your community group, and you sit across the table, and you share your heart, And they put an arm around you. And in that moment, you feel the arm of Jesus embracing you. Have you had that experience? It's a true experience. You're going to find Jesus in his family. You're going to find him in the places where he loves to go and do life and service. A gospel-formed family for the city. When you go out and love and give yourself away for your neighbors and for the city, you're going to find Jesus because that's where he is. That's what he's doing. What do you want? Jesus invites you to come and see. Let me close with a story. I have an uncle who's a pastor in Ocala, Florida. and He's got a group of friends there who grew up together. Uh, and they play a game. They're in their mid-50s. And they still play this game. It's called, do you want to come with me? Do you want to come with me? It's a very simple game. One of them will call another up and say, do you want to come with me? But they won't say what they're going to do right? They could be going to the Super Bowl with a free ticket. It's happened before. They might be going to the ER with a kid with a broken arm. They might be going to the county dump because they've got a big load that's too big for the local trash. They're not going to say, all they're going to say is, do you want to come with me? Yes or no? Why? Because the point isn't what they're doing or what they can do for one another. The point is we're buddies and we get to be together. Friends, Jesus' invitation to you this morning, right now, do you want to come with me? Let's pray. Jesus, would you help us to do real business with our own desires? Would you give us, by your Spirit, the ability to see uh, that the truest realities of our lives, the deepest needs and longings, can only be met with you? But Jesus, we ask for even more. We ask that you would be able that you would help us to be able to say I want you Jesus. Or at least be able to say I want to want you. Would you help us this morning by your grace? We pray in your name. Amen.